It's the morning show on 95.3 WBCK. And here's Tim Collins. And good morning, Friday the 8th and a little later. Steve Frisbee will check in with us on last night's Calhoun County Board of Commissioners meeting and the uh, business at hand. Also, uh, we'll get an update on a radio free Hillsdale hour, which airs on Saturday mornings. Scott Bertram is the host and producer. He'll join us a little later, too. State Representative Jim Hodsma is here. Looks like he's been doing a little running this morning. Good morning, sir. Could not find my umbrella on the base of my uh, front floorboard, so I did run in here, yes. Yeah, well, it's a little on the rainy side, to say the least. And uh, plus, uh, you want like going through a car wash about uh, 8 o'clock today. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Hey, you uh, had a thing yesterday here in town, uh, sort of a, a mental health. Uh, not a symposium. I'm looking for the word. Kind of a uh, town hall tour where you just uh, focused on improving mental health in our community. Uh, give us a recap of that and and why you held that. Yes, it was called a roundtable. It was put uh, together uh, by a um, colleague from the Ann Arbor area, Felicia Brabeck, who's a professional counselor, and me. Uh, she's taking this tour on the road to learn more about mental health in different areas of our state so we can learn more about what might be remedied and what uh, bills we might introduce based upon the information we gather from uh, various um, professionals from Summit Point, from uh, Grace Health, uh, from Bronson. So uh, it was um, about... Um, two hours long, and uh, we had a lot of information. I think it was recorded for Facebook Live, and she will be having uh, many of these same kind of events on Zoom uh, going forward. A number of the districts will not be having in-person meetings, but we were fortunate to have in-person meetings and get a lot of valuable input from people in the community. What was uh, your takeaway, uh, just broadly, um on on what uh, was discussed. Well, I think there were a lot of good ideas on what we can do to ensure that um, we have more professionals staying on. Uh, one of the things that surprised me in a manner was uh, how backed up uh, healthcare providers are presently because of diminution in number of healthcare providers in the in the workforce, uh, and this would include mental health workers, but. A Bronson doctor uh, said that since January 1, 2021, Bronson Methodist in Kalamazoo has had 6,000 patients leave that emergency department without being seen. So that Mm. says that there's significant backup in many um, emergency medical settings around our uh, region. Um, There were some good ideas raised about how we can ensure that um, we have more uh, professionals in the field. Uh, some uh, question about credentialing of uh, direct care workers. I think that's something that we might run with in terms of a bill and uh, a sharing of social service data um, was was a recommendation made. And I think that's really a good idea. So um, many times when there's a mental health issue, um, other social service agencies know of that. Uh, variable. 
One nice thing is uh, we'll be getting our new mental health facility here just south of Battle Creek. I, I guess in the next year it uh, should be completed, and that'll be sort of a regional facility. But I, w- I would guess that that will give us more options and we'll be able to treat more people. Well, uh, we we do have more options than we did even a year ago here. Uh, Summit Point opened its psychiatric urgent care on College Street about six months ago, and they've already had 1,560 people uh, by a report last night served in that six months. That's kind of like when I say an urgent care. It's kind of like a emergency medicine clinic for those with psychiatric decompensation. And if we can treat them there, it these more open lanes at the emergency room or emergency department at the local hospital. Got a uh, press release, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, when the budget passed. Part of that was you got some dollars to fix that uh, city hall downtown. We've had a chain-link fence around that thing for a couple of years, and, and frankly, it was getting kind of embarrassing. And, you know, it's hard to find funding for, for some things these days. So uh, that was kind of a good thing. I was very pleased that uh, Rebecca Fleury, the city manager, brought that to my office's attention. Uh, back in July, uh, I brought Joe Tate, the minority vice chair of appropriations, over, and he and I toured with Rebecca Fleury, the city manager, leading that tour, uh, the city hall uh, exterior, and saw firsthand, I mean, I've seen it for years, as you indicated, uh, but saw firsthand uh, all the uh, issues there, uh, safety issues, as well as just frankly um, curb appeal issue yeah. associated with the city hall when you first come into town on M66. Uh, and we hopefully will, uh, the city needed a million dollars to get that done, and, and uh, I'm hopeful that'll happen next year and uh, by reason of this appropriation and um, very pleased that we can hopefully get a very sightly city hall back in business sure now we just need to get on a, some contractors uh, schedule and uh, and uh, and get it going but that'll be good to, to get that cleared up because as you stated you know that's one of the first things people see when they come in right after the sojourner truth park and memorial uh, they see city hall there uh, High-speed Internet, uh, I guess uh, the survey that they've had here, the broadband survey in Calhoun County, uh, has been extended from what I'm reading now. It's been extended to the end of October 2021 from the end of September. So um, I was on a call, uh, a Zoom call yesterday, early in the morning, and it's my appreciation that there are going to be uh, invitations to complete a survey sent out by the county to, Steve Frisbee can tell you more about this, I'm confident, Mm -hmm. to uh, 9,000 county residents to try to get uh, more information provided about uh, the uh, Internet needs of uh, those in rural areas as well as those who have affordability issues in urban areas. So uh, that continues. Um, They have a task force about Internet Zoom call uh, scheduled about once a month and uh, lots of different uh, players about Battle Creek uh, and Calhoun County are participatory on that, county commissioners as well as yours truly. 
Well, hopefully we can get a little more data to work with. It's it's tough because the people uh, that you want to reach, they don't have the means to, to be reached easily through the Internet or, or other electronic means. So you kind of need to go through mail. You need to do a lot of different things. So we'll do that, hopefully gather some data, and then start uh, formulating a plan that can, can address that issue here. Uh, there was a resolution. Uh, resolution. I've been doing this all morning. <laughs> I've been combining words, and I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. But a resolution to probably because it's so dark in the morning, and I'm looking forward to the time change. <laughs> oh yeah, that's coming up another month, I think. A resolution to place whistleblower protections for state workers into the Michigan Constitution, and it failed in the House of Representatives Wednesday. The vote just too short of the two thirds majority. Majority and. My understanding is that uh, all of the no votes were cast by Democrats, so you must have voted no, and we're just kind of wondering what your thinking was on that. Well, uh, we want to make sure that civil service issues are considered and that uh, we, um, in fact, study the details, and this would have perhaps uh, wrecked havoc on civil service uh, rules and how those are complied with uh, in Michigan. This resolution was one in which, um, say, a state agency representative who contacted a state representative or state senator would be extended whistleblower protection. This uh, also would have um, changed, it had a constitutional component, would have changed the Constitution in a way in which uh, this protection is afforded. So it's a little different than a a regular bill. Uh, It did uh, fail the two-thirds. We're down some members right now. Um, So uh, it failed the two-thirds majority. The other interesting thing about this, and, and news reports often don't have this detail, but a lot of members didn't put their votes on the board there's a yes-no board on which you can see um, until after it was clear that uh, there was um, less than two-thirds uh, that would uh, be on the board. So then, interestingly, when the speaker uh, called those who hadn't registered their vote electronically, some Democrats then said yes uh, once they knew that we had the requisite number of no's. So it was a intriguing um, experience uh, watching some members just wait and allow um, other members in the Democratic caucus to take the no and then for whatever reason, including some people who are term limited, vote yes. That Yeah, because my first thought was, well, they're worried about that being brought up as a re-election issue, but if they're term limited, then um, so I guess that that just illustrates that maybe not everybody was really in agreement on it, as as the stories indicate. You never can tell up there. It's it's always intriguing about what goes through uh, each member's mind. State Representative Jim Hodsma is uh, with us. I know you were busy yesterday with that uh, mental health uh, uh, panel that we had here in Battle Creek and stuff, but the governor making a little bit of headlines by uh, bringing back prevailing wages for state contracts uh, which favors labor unions uh and boy there are some people that are really upset about that because uh, they feel that it uh is actually going to cost government and taxpayers a lot of money uh 
basically, I mean, this isn't an issue you voted on or weighed in on, but it's an issue that's been around for some time. And what's your general thought about prevailing wages? My thought is that uh, it ensures that there's quality in relation to um, the completion of the contract. So uh, just as the old Fram oil filter commercial in my childhood and your childhood said, you can pay me now or you can pay me later in relation to not or, in fact, changing an oil filter, I think prevailing wage ensures quality of work. Uh, you're not necessarily running to the bottom in relation to the best contract price, but you're ensuring that when you have prevailing wage, there is um, a good quality product that's going to be provided by the contractor. So um, it is always my philosophy in life to look at uh, quality, not necessarily price, because you're going to get a lot more for your dollar if, in fact, you get it done right the first time as opposed to get it done the lowest dollar number and then have to get it repaired later. But don't we have that choice now? I mean, if we look at a contract and we've got a list of bids and maybe some are a union, unionized company and some are not, there may be some fly-by-night firms in there trying to undercut everybody, but there may be some very legitimate firms also that are non-union that are offering uh, very competitive quotes. Shouldn't we be able to at least consider them uh, in their record? So I think prevailing wage is a good idea uh, just because it ensures uh, that we don't get caught in the trap of race to the bottom for the very best price. It's not necessarily so that the uh, very lowest price is always a cut rate operation, but I think in general prevailing wage ensures that we're going to have, especially in a taxpayer's context, the best uh, job at the best rate affecting the, the most taxpayers in the community. Well, this uh, action by the governor would certainly be uh, facing legal challenges. Uh, as you know, there were some things a few years ago that were done to uh, to get rid of the prevailing wage law uh, through legal channels, and so we will see what happens on that. Uh, I'm confident it's going to be uh, a, another rich load to mine in relation to conflict between the governor and especially Republican legislators. The uh, Unemployment agency, uh, still problems there, and some people are calling for acting director Lisa Eslin to Eslin Olson to resign. Uh, do you think that she should resign? Do you think we're on the right track in cleaning up and fixing problems in our uh, unemployment office? I think we're on the right track. Certainly, I too, as well as many legislators who gave speeches on, uh, I believe, Wednesday about this issue, um, experienced hundreds and hundreds of unemployment compensation claims. We um, helped resolve, especially back in 2020. Um, and when I say all these hundreds and hundreds, I'm talking about since the onset of the pandemic, less so by the time we got to 2021. I'm still getting some. We're still getting uh, unemployment compensation issues in the door, still getting overpayment issues now in relation to past pandemic unemployment assistance provided. But given the the way the system existed uh, before 2020, 
given the unprecedented um, pandemic, given the fact that uh, benefits were extended to gig workers, those who were contract workers and not historically insured for unemployment compensation, I think we're through the woods. Uh, the present director is interim. It's my appreciation that uh, she is seeking uh, the end of her tenure anyway, uh, and uh, that the governor is uh, seeking a n- new director without the interim tag. So I think that this was political theater on, on Wednesday, and I, I don't uh, support that. I don't support one individual uh, being sent a resolution uh, recommending that she resign. Uh, I think it, it uh, uh, would mar her career opportunities as well, and I don't think it's fair to someone who came on as interim just about a year ago. Uh, mm-hmm. in October or November 2020. So in other words, as Joey and friends would say, it's a moo point. And uh, uh, <laughs> we got other fish to fry. We could just move on. I agree. And I think it was put for political theater when they, uh, those who put this forward discovered that she was seeking the exit door, thought that they would put this resolution on to suggest that that might have um, been a catalyst in her decision. But it is a moot point, and I think we need to move on. Very briefly, uh, Representative Hodson, Battle Creek starts a series of town hall talks coming up next Wednesday to address how to best use the $30.5 million American Rescue Plan Act funding here in the city. Uh, just basically top of, of mind, what are some things that you'd like to see our community use those ARPA funds for? I'd uh, like to see um, beautification uh, along Northeast Capitol and uh, along uh, Division as one comes into town. Um, I'd like to see more dollars um, put into um, schools and like to see more dollars uh, invested in um Infrastructure, uh, so that uh, some of uh, our um, local streets uh, and and bridges are repaired and maintained, and uh, so that I don't know, maybe something can be done about the concrete river and uh, mm-hmm. a redirection of uh, the Cal- excuse me the the uh, yes the Kalamazoo River as it goes through downtown. Um, as you know, um, Kmart's out. Um, the Ralston plant is done, uh, ultimately, but we don't know when. They're going great guns right now. Uh, the the paperboard uh, right. mill is closing. And uh, consequently, I think there's a great opportunity for redevelopment uh, downtown, spe- specifically on that south side. So I'm hopeful that we're spend some uh, dollars on redeveloping that uh, south side of downtown Battle Creek and, and the Concrete River being possibly uh, redirected to its original flow. Representative Jim Hodsma, thank you very uh-huh. much for being with us here on the WBCK Morning Show. Tim, I appreciate it. Thank you.